Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the BBC Music Magazine podcast. You can subscribe to the magazine by visiting classical-music.com or to our interactive iPad edition by visiting iTunes.com. BBC Music Magazine is now an official Apple Music curator and you can listen to our exclusive playlists by visiting applemusic.com slash bbcmm. This week, we've gathered together members of the BBC Music Magazine team for First Listen, a monthly slot where members of the magazine editorial team chat about and rate an important new release. With me in the BBC Music studio today are Jeremy Pound, the deputy editor, and Rebecca Franks, our reviews editor. Hello. Hello. This month, we've been listening to a Hyperion recording of choral works by Herbert Howells, including pieces written for King's College, Cambridge, the Magnificat and Nugnabitis for Evensong, a Mass for Holy Communion, and a Jubilate and Te Deum for Matins. It's all performed by the choir of Trinity College, Cambridge, and organists Eleanor Cornas and Owen Park, under their music director, Stephen Layton. So has this disc encouraged us to sing a joyful Gloria in excelsis or react in howls of pain? Let's kick off with a clip from the Jubilate. was the Jubilate by Herbert Howells, written specially in 1944 for King's College, Cambridge. What's extraordinary, I think, is these works written quite, you know, very late on in Herbert Howells' career. I mean, he was well into his 50s when he wrote these pieces, and yet they sort of have a, a youthful freshness, I think, and a, and a real understanding, I think, of the, of the words that the choir is singing. I mean, it's, it's music very much written for the words, Jeremy. It is indeed. Howells' whole compositional career was, was quite interesting because he, he started off... Um, writing orchestral and chamber music 
to quite an extent. I mean, then had a bit of a horrible comeuppance at one concert. I think it was his second piano concerto. At the end of it, a critic actually stood up and said, thank God that's over, very loudly, so that everyone could hear it. It slightly took the wind out of his sails. And so the choral music for which is the sacred choral music for which he's become most famous, as you say, was quite a, a late starting thing. Um, the King Service is one of his earliest um, choral works, actually. And as you say, he is brilliant, not just at um, setting words. Every word has exactly the right place in the music. The music frames the words beautifully, but also for the acoustics of the building he was writing for. So here he's writing for King's College Cambridge, which has a very roomy acoustic. Likewise, the services he wrote for St Paul's and for Gloucester Cathedral. But then he also wrote services for the likes of St John's Cambridge and New College, which have a much tighter, closer acoustic. And so the texture of the music in those is very different. It's, it's very, very um, skillfully managed. Yes, you talk about liturgical music written when he was old, but in fact, the next clip we're going to hear is um, his setting of Psalm 122, I Was Glad, written, I think, when he was a student. Um, Howells didn't really write uh, very many psalm settings, but uh, there are two which are very well known. And... Um, I think they're amongst the very best of their kind, really. So we'll just listen to Psalm 122, just a quick extract. So that was um, Herbert Howells' setting of Psalm 122. Um, Rebecca, as a student of, an ex-student of King's College Cambridge, you'll, you'll no doubt appreciate uh, the Coleridge um, settings. Absolutely. In fact, this was my first encounter with Howells. I hadn't really heard any of his music until I went to King's. Um, and so for me, I have to say it is very much linked in my mind, this this setting in the Gloucester service. I remember the choir singing very often, actually, when I was there. And it's utterly linked with the building and the, the sense of the light you get in there and the space, absolutely everything. It, it, it all comes through in this music for me. Mm, absolutely. I think we should hear an extract from the Nunctimittis, the Colreg setting. Um, it's important, I think, at this day to, to say that this record was actually recorded in Coventry Cathedral with the, um, with the organ there. Um, wonderful space that they have there, perhaps a similar shape to King's College Cambridge in its in its sort of stature and its size and its acoustics. I'm presuming that's the case, actually, yes, because they, they haven't recorded it in Trinity. I actually asked Stephen Layton about the acoustic in Trinity a while back, and he told me that it was actually a very versatile acoustic. Now, maybe that means that it doesn't quite have the bloom that um, the King's and Coventry Cathedral has. I mean, Coventry Cathedral's acoustic is absolutely massive, so I should imagine that the sound engineers won't have had to add anything to it at all, because sometimes they add a tweak a little bit of sort of added echo etc but they don't think they've done have, have to have done that here at all also i found a nice little description that the conductor andrew davis said of the king's acoustic um when he describes there's the resonance but also the softness that you get and i think Howells plays with that um i think in the, the nunc dimissis in the curie there's sometimes a sense of either the fluid fluidity of the lines or a sense of something being suspended in in the space and i think that comes across well in this coventry acoustic too also what i want to point out with this particular bit here is that this is a classic <laughs> example of Howells using the building to perfection is that 
we've chosen this particular passage because you hear his trick of he'll have all the voices singing in unison for a while. It's almost like a plain chant, and then he'll bloom out and they'll, all the voices will spread out. It's almost like a flower opening. It's, it's so well done. an extract from Herbert Howells's setting of the Nunc Dimittis, composed for King's College, Cambridge. Presumably Trinity College, College weren't allowed to record in King's College. Um, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in any respect, they, they don't have an organ at the moment, so um, a double double jeopardy, I think. I love the, the, the full sound of the choir that you get there, actually, because you do have this idea of the King's Choir having this, this purity and a quite a different sound, and here it's so rich and bold and, and, and full. It's yes, it's very closely mic'd, actually. Um, obviously, the balance has to be struck, I think, possibly, with getting the acoustic and getting the detail. I mean, the words that you hear, I mean, Stephen Layton is clearly quite strict on hearing all the words, but you still want to hear that bloom. And so I think hats off to uh, to, the, to the engineers here for, for capturing all of that, I think. It's also a hallmark of Stephen Layton's choirs that you have this meticulous balance. And it's not just in recordings either. If you actually hear them live as well, he spends hours and hours and hours and you can tell everything is just so. I think we should hear um, another extract, the Te Deum, um, again from the Colreg settings. What I particularly like about that passage there is the way that it's almost like a set of responses within an anthem. You have the, it's like you have the priest saying the first line, then you have the antiphonal response from the choir, and then the priests, the, the kind of the lower voices are the part of the priest singing the line, and then the, the, the full choir responds again. And then when you have the, the whole army of martyrs, you actually have the full choir there. So he's actually even responding to those words with the amount of voices he uses in the texture. I think it's, it's very clever. I think we're going to finish with one last excerpt. It's a quick clip from I Love or Beauteous Things, one of the last choral works that Howells actually wrote, um, commissioned uh, from uh, St Albans Cathedral for the Festal Bound Festival in 1977 when Howells was around 85. Um, it's a beautiful piece um, with the most wonderful, rich harmonies and exquisite sort of um, twists and turns. So um, we'll hear a clip from that now.
So I think that brings us to the end of this podcast. But before uh, we close up for the month, uh, let's have your scores, Jeremy. I thought this is a terrific disc. Um, I th- I've been looking forward to this disc coming out for a while, ever since the same forces did a disc of the Gloucester and St Paul's services, and I wasn't remotely disappointed. Um, it is beautifully sung, beautifully paced by Stephen Layton. The um, the ensemble was wonderful. I've got one tiny little gripe, and that is you mentioned earlier on that the emphasis which Stephen Layton puts on pronouncing words. And there's one or two occasions where it just comes a little bit over the top. For instance, there's a, a very rolled R on seraphim in the Te Deum, which once you hear it once, you can't unhear it. But apart from that, I think it's a magnificent disc, and I give it 9 out of 10. Rebecca? I agree. I really enjoyed this disc and I have a real soft spot for this music and for this particular particular music. So I'd like to give it nine out of ten as well. And I uh, very boringly agree. I think it's a wonderful disc. Um, beautifully played, beautifully recorded. The music is exquisite. I love the tempos as well. I just love the ebb and flow of all the music. Everything feels very natural as houses, houses music always should. Um, and because there is always room for improvement, I too am going to give it nine out of ten, which is very easy for my maths this month because that gives us an average of nine. So that does bring us to the end of this month's podcast. Um, Do join us next month when we'll be discussing another new release. Goodbye. 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 Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.